It's great to see you this morning, and we're looking forward to a great day in God's Word. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 and 1 John chapter 2. Mark chapter 5 and 1 John chapter 2. Now, I know that many of you uh, got our one call earlier in the week. Some of you might not know, but we are coming back to church May 17th. So May 17th at 10.30 a.m., we're all going to gather in the auditorium. And uh, so you'll have your children in here with you, but we'll also have the overflow in the fellowship hall with video and audio, and it'll be great. So we're looking forward to seeing you all on May 17th. At the beginning of this, I do believe that our leaders were working with the, the best information that they had, the best information possible. But now I think that our leaders are really working from a position of fear. I think they're afraid of lawsuits. I think that, uh, I think that our governor, Governor DeWine, he really is worried about loss of life. But we know now that there is almost no concern. Uh, there's almost no risk for healthy people. And so if you are in a category that, that this virus could affect, so you have some kind of lung disease or things like that, and you're not comfortable coming out in public yet, then just watch the live stream. We're going to continue doing this. But for the rest of us, there's just no reason for us to stop gathering together. So next Sunday is Mother's Day, and I hope you all have a wonderful time with your moms, and I plan to have a special message for that next week. But uh, then the following week, we're going to gather together, and I just can't wait to see you all. We're going to have a great time with it. So uh, let's plan to be in our places next, or a week from Sunday, the 17th, at 10.30 a.m. Look at Mark chapter 5. When I preached last week the message, He is Beside Himself, and I think I mentioned that was from 1998, in my mind, when I remember that message, I also remember this message and this text. And yesterday, as I was, uh, I was thinking about preaching something else, I had something else in mind. And this just came to mind as, as I was doing some other things. And, and I thought, this is just perfect for the time in which we're living. And um, so look at Mark chapter 5 with me. Look at verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, that's Jesus, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. What a picture. And look at what the Bible says in verse uh, 9. So it's Jesus speaking to him, and he asked him, What is thy name? So remember, if on that T, that's singular. So he's talking to the man, and he says, He asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And so my message today is, His name is Legion. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is a world that is full of darkness. And as we have been talking for this shutdown time about being light, sometimes it's important to understand the darkness so that we know what it means to be light. 
And so, Father, this is an amazing account in Scripture of how Jesus interacted with this man who was completely bound and set him free. Lord, I pray that people are set free today, that our minds are open to much of what's going on around us. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so you can just picture this plodding beast looking to destroy us. And notice that, that the passage says that he walks about as a roaring lion. Well, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So what Satan tries to do is he tries to walk around as an imitation, not to bless as Jesus does, but to destroy. He is the destroyer. And it's interesting when you look at the Marvel movies and how they, um, they do try to take themes from the scriptures. Uh, and, you know, the, the, Jacob, who was the, the evil guy in the last one? Thanos, the destroyer of worlds. And when, when you see that kind of thing, well, Satan is the destroyer of worlds. We don't need anyone else to do that. That's Satan. And so when we understand that the text says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, he has a plan to destroy everything that is. Hold your place in Mark 5. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now look at those, these first two words of verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Who is an antichrist? Well, the Bible tells us uh, in verse... Chapter 4, in verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Do you see that? Spirit. Uh, and we will find that this man in Mark 5, he's possessed of an unclean spirit. But look what the text says. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. But look at what it says. And even now, already is it in the world. Now, the Apostle John was dealing with a false doctrine called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is this teaching that you have some higher knowledge, but it's also a dualistic system that teaches that there's an ultimate good and an ultimate evil, that the spiritual is good and the fleshly is evil. So anything that has a physical nature to it is evil. And so that teaching would say that, G that God has not come in the flesh in Christ because if God had come in the flesh in Christ, then, G then Jesus in the flesh would be evil. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's what the text says. That's, that's Antichrist. Now go back to Mark chapter 5, and I want us to put this account, I hate to say story, because although it's a true story, when we use that word story, sometimes people have the idea that it's fiction. It's not. It's, a, it's a, an actual 
historical account of an historical event that took place in time, and it's recorded for us in this Gospel of Mark. When we see this, sometimes we can think of the sensational with it, and we're going to deal with some of the sensational and, and, and specifically supernatural in the text. But we need to understand that that spirit of Antichrist, that that spirit is what we're dealing with today. There are many people telling us of what's going to happen in the future. This virus is going to come back. This is going to be devastating. All of these prophecies, and as a result of these prophecies, what they're telling us to do is don't go to church. Go to the bar. You can go to the liquor store. I understand the bars are closed, but you can go to the liquor store. You can, you can go to Walmart. You can get an abortion. You can kill a baby. But don't go to church. Don't, how many of you think that might be the spirit of Antichrist? I think it absolutely is the spirit of Antichrist. Pastor, are you saying that our government leaders are possessed of a spirit? No. Uh, some of them may be. I think Nancy Pelosi has a good chance. But I, I don't know. Uh, Chuck Schumer probably is. I don't know. They behave as if they are Satan. Maybe they're just on Satan's side, so there's no demon necessary. But I want you to understand something. Uh, I, I mentioned this last week, John Stormer, uh, a, a conspiracy of shared ideas. People, the, These leaders, they hate the church. They hate God. And they hate God's work. And so that spirit of Antichrist is working in the world. Satan's not real. Jesus isn't real. Eternity is not real. All that matters is here and now. I was thinking about some of our senior citizens. And I was talking with someone yesterday that, um, man, if, if a senior citizen is concerned about getting this virus, then they can wear a mask as they come to church or they might want to stay home because they're concerned. Other senior citizens want to go to heaven. And if the way to go to heaven is to be hanging out with God's people, then praise God. We're not supposed to love this world. Now, please don't take that. If you're a senior citizen and watching this, please don't take that as pressure to come to church. What I'm saying is I believe in individual soul liberty. Do what you want. It's, uh, uh, can we take this from the liberals? It's your body. And of course, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify uh, God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we are supposed to be glorifying God with this body. But if, if for a period of time you want to stay home until some of this stuff passes, that's all good. But why are we allowing the world to tell us what to do? Uh, honestly, I don't know if I said this last week. I'm actually a little ashamed that we ever stopped. I tried to, I tried to go along with the best information. I tried for us to... Uh, cooperate with our civic leaders, but I'm beginning to think that this whole thing is a good way to stop people from going to church. Now, praise God for this technology. We have way more people watching than would have ever come into the church. So all I can say to Satan is, nah, 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 nah. what you meant for evil, God meant for good, and we're reaching so many more people than we ever could. But we need to understand that this is a spiritual battle. We can become very naturalistic. We as Christians, we can begin thinking that, that everything that's in the world continues as it was from the beginning. We can become like the scoffers that First Peter, or that Peter talks about in First Peter. We don't want to be those people. But now, I, I want us to notice some things about this man who is, has an unclean spirit, and we'll see it's many unclean spirits. And how does that apply to us and to the world around us? The first thing that I want you to see is the terrible conclusion 
of a life left to his own devices. The terrible conclusion of a life left to its own devices. And his name is Legion. His name is Legion. We see that in verse 9. But look at the condition of his life. Verse 1 again, verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So um, I, can't, I don't know if it's Michael Scott. It might be uh, Nathan Browning as they're getting ready for camp. They're having pictures of the pastor live streaming. They're asking the teenagers to put a meme with it. And someone put a meme of me preaching. And it said something like, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. No, make that Revelation chapter 2. And I think that was very funny because it might be the most accurate meme that's ever been made. But let's go back to uh, verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, first of all, I don't know about you guys, tombs are creepy. Uh, Just uh, raise your hands if you think tombs are creepy. All right. Jacob did. Oh, Justin's late. All right. Uh, I think tombs are creepy. But imagine you come in, you, you, you come to the land and out of this tomb comes this crazy possessed creature. Picture Gollum. That's kind of the way that this guy looked, I'm sure. And notice what it says. Uh, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Jacob, do you know if Gollum was based on something like this? No? Okay. Look at verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Now look at what it says in verse 4. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. He was wild. He'd break chains. He'd break fetters. What a freaky deal this is. Look at verse verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. So I want you to see the hopelessness. He's out of control. He's continually tormented. He's miserable. He's self-destructive, cutting himself. Imagine the loneliness. This is a... This is the perfect picture of worldly despair. Man, it's horrible. It is just horrible. And I want you to see that this path led to wanderings among the people of the dead. Wanderings among the people of the dead. See, we have this idea that we need to live our best life now. Oh, does that sound familiar? Joel Osteen, your best life now. Well, if your best life now is tied up in the world, then it's going to end among the dead. There are three kinds of death spoken of in the Bible. There's physical death. That's Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. There's also the second death. This is separation from God for eternity. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first, sec- first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. So the first death is physical death, as in Hebrews 9.27. We're all going to die. The second death is separation from God forever in a place called hell. And then there's a third death, which is spiritual death. The Bible talks about that in Ephesians chapter 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So when, when you're born, you're born with a body and with a soul. Your body is obvious. We know what that is. Your soul, that's you. That's who you are. That's your personality. 
That's your life. That's your consciousness. And it's interesting, if you want to ask, um, uh, 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 if you want to mess up an evolutionist, ask him where consciousness comes from. They act like it's just the brain. No, 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 no. No. Your brain is not your personality. It's very interesting. Your consciousness is your soul. That's something separate from your body. But not only that, but we are spiritual creatures. But the problem is we're spiritually dead. And the only way we can actually interact with the living God is to be born again. And when you're born again, then you are alive spiritually. On your first birth, you are born body and soul. Your second birth, you're born spiritually. Your spirit comes alive and you can interact with God. So there is spiritual death, that's separation of the soul from God in this life. 1 Timothy 5, 6 is talking about a lady, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Genesis 2, 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What does that mean? God simply meant that you will be spiritually dead. Because remember, we don't know how old Adam was when he ate of the fruit, but we know that he lived over 900 years. So he didn't immediately die physically, he immediately died spiritually, and then ultimately died physically. So perhaps there are some people listening, watching this message today, and you're dead to life. You're dead to usefulness, dead to blessing, like a piece of broken furniture. You have no usefulness in this world You must be born again. You might not be filled with evil spirits, but you are walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh among the ungodly, among the children of this world, among the lost. Is that you? Are you walking among the people of the dead? And you need to understand something. This does not only apply to the occult. There's a man who's bought the world's lie, and he goes from bar to bar looking for pleasure. His name is Legion. There's a woman who's pregnant and doesn't know what to do, and she's considering killing that child. Her name is Legion. Not that she is possessed with the devil, but she is following the spirit of the devil, the spirit of Antichrist in this world, who does not recognize that that child inside inside her body is a living soul and became a living soul at the moment of conception. And it's a living soul that's created in God's image and is destined to give, to have a purpose, to glorify and worship his or her creator. People deny that. Their name is Legion. There's a teenager who's doing some evil things just to fit in. And some of you teens, you might be watching now, and you look at the world, and it looks so great, and it looks so wonderful. That is legion. That's the spirit of this world. Man, don't follow it. Be careful before you start on a road that you know where it leads. Now, this is, preachers have said this forever, but it's so true. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you can afford to pay. And I promise you, there are people that are watching this and they're saying amen. Young people, I wish you knew the hardship, the devastation that can come in your future from the decisions that you make today. Do right. That's all I can say. Do right. Honor the Lord. Honor your father and mother. Do right. Don't follow the spirit of this world. It's interesting. I want you to see something else. So first, 
the, uh, I wanted you to see the terrible conclusion of a life left to its own devices. His name is Legion. The second thing I want you to see is the exciting possibility of divine intervention in the most impossible of circumstances. Remember, the people had tried to take care of this guy. They tried to bind him in chains, and he's, he breaks the chains. He's running around naked. It is interesting that nakedness is a sign of evil. Nakedness. Public nakedness. Now, uh, husband and wife, that's, that's completely right. That's, that, that's completely clean in the Scriptures. Beyond that, public nakedness, it's always aligned with satanic activity. Interesting, isn't it? So, ladies, it's getting warm out. When you get ready, you want to take off all your clothes outside, just think of the spirit that you're identifying with. Something to think about, isn't it? Um, so, the exciting possibility of divine intervention in the most impossible of circumstances, his name is Lord. His name is Lord. Uh, this is great. Look at verse 9. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, I've got to tell you, that's freaky. If I were there, I would not, uh, I would not like that. <laughs> I don't want to see that. I don't want to be around that. Uh, even in a movie or whatever, when you see something like that. I don't like that. It freaks me out. Uh, I, I like one person. One person. That's what I like. And so when this, his name is Legion, that means it's 5,000 crazy that are inside him. Verse 10. And he besought him, this is Legion, much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now I want you to notice something. We don't have demon possession here in the United States. If you'll notice as you read through the Gospels, demon possession, it seems very normal. So hold your place here in Mark. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Evil spirits. When we get back uh, into our Bible study, we're doing on Wednesday nights, we're doing the Holy Spirit. We're going to get back into the spirit world and we're going to talk about what are devils, what are demons, what are spirits. We're, we're going to break that down more specifically. But here we are, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. These 12. Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so that message is that Jesus the Messiah is here, and he's ready to establish his kingdom on earth. Look at what it says in verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Cast out devils. That, now, we, we get the heal the sick, and obviously we get to raise the dead because in our society there are sick people and there are dead people. In this day, there was demonic activity all around. And so they're called devils, and it says to cast out the devils. Now, that's not a part of our ministry. Um, I can only really think about one time in my ministry where... I felt like I was dealing with someone who had a devil. We were in ministry at Oklahoma State University, and the man who had had my position at, at Bible Baptist in Stillwater before me had established it, had registered our, it was called the Aletha uh, Ministry, as a registered student, student organization at Oklahoma State. So we could use vehicles, we could have meetings in the college, and it was a blast. We had a great time there in ministry. Well, I would do a Bible study, I think it was on Thursday nights on campus, and we, were, we had a group that were there, and there was a girl from China that was there with us, just a sweet girl, and it was all good. 
But when I started reading the scriptures about Jesus, she would start cackling almost uncontrollably. And I would stop and I would talk and it would stop. When I would start reading the scriptures again, she would start cackling again. That was a weird deal, man. And I do believe that that was was demonic. I watched um, Larry King one time and John MacArthur was on there with a Methodist leader and another guy, and then Deepak Chopra. And when MacArthur would start quoting Scripture and start giving the gospel, Deepak Chopra, he would start moving around and jerking in a really weird way. And you can look it up. You can just watch it. I think Deepak Chopra, and of course he's into the the Eastern religions, which is all demonic activity. Um, I think he might be possessed of devils. I don't know that. It just appeared that way to me. But this is not something normal that, that we uh, are confronted with. Why? Why? Because we're not doing anything for God. Why would Satan worry about us? In the United States, we don't need demons. Why? Because we have people that are so full of the flesh that they are part of, of Satan's system, the God of this world. Think about that. And ask yourself, where do I fit into this? But I want you to see what Jesus Christ did for this man and what he wants to do for us. I love it. Jesus is drawn to impossible situations. He's drawn to impossible situations. Remember, people had tried to bind this guy with chains. He'd break them. He was uncontrollable. Jesus comes in. And I want you to see that the first thing Jesus saw was not the demons. Jesus saw the humanity. Look at verse 2. He saw him as a man. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He was a man, verse 8. For he said unto him, Come out of the man. Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Out of the man. He sees his humanity. You see, when Jesus Christ looks at you, he doesn't just see your sin. Of course he knows that you're a sinner. He sees you and he wants to save you. That's why he came. That's why he became a man. So he could be like us without sin. So that he could save us. When Jesus sees you, he doesn't see your trouble. He sees you and he wants to save you out of your trouble. This guy didn't look anything like a man. Sin had made him look anything like a man. But Jesus sees us not for what we are, but what we can be by his power and grace. It's amazing what Jesus can do with a life. I was trying to remember who I read when I put this message together. And uh, I know that I would have read um, Jerry Vines. He had been pastor of First Baptist in Jacksonville, and he had a commentary on the Gospel of Mark that I read, and some others. But uh, this, this came from one of them. It is amazing what Jesus Christ can do with a life. Jesus gives us Jacob the schemer, and he will give you back in Israel, the Prince of God. Uh, give Jesus Simon, the cursing fisherman, and he will give you back a Simon Peter, a mighty preacher. Give Jesus Saul, the persecutor of the church, and Jesus will give you back Paul, militant missionary, apostle, and scripture writer. What are you today? What are you? All I can say is give yourself to Jesus, and you'll be amazed at what he gives you back. He wants to change you. He wants to make you new. But So Jesus saw first his humanity, but the second thing I want you to see is that Jesus saw his powerlessness. He was powerless. Look at verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, He ran and worshipped him. And it's interesting that these devils, here's how you can know the difference between you and Jesus. The devils are not afraid of you. Jesus, the first thing they do is worship him. They worship him. It's crazy. 
But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? I'm sorry, thou Son of the Most High God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. It's interesting. We just saw in 1 John that the spirit of Antichrist is saying that Jesus has not come in the flesh. That's what the spirit of Antichrist is. But they know the truth. It's a lie. See how these devils know exactly who Jesus Christ is? Immediately. I I love this. Jesus' flesh and blood did not hide who he was from the devils. Can I tell you something? That's my king. (laughs) I love it that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's my Lord. These devils, all the spirit that's around us, we, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in high places. We understand that's the world that we live in. We, didn't, we need not have any fear because our Lord is Lord of all. Now look at what it says, verse 8. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. See, Jesus saw the powerlessness of this man. And it's interesting, it's hard to tell where the man starts and where the demons, where the man stops and the demons start. He's just confused. It's horrible. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, I want you to look at the power of the Savior in verse 13. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out. I wanted to say this. Remember what what they say in verse... um, Verse 10, and he, be, and he besought him, this is the man, uh, much that he would not send them, the demons, the devils, out of the country, out of the country. Man, Satan wants that land. It's a bunch of rocks. The Holy Land, Israel. Satan wants that land. And that's where that demonic activity, it takes place over and over and over again. And these, remember, Legion doesn't want to leave that country. In another place, don't send us into the abyss. Don't, don't send us to the pit. But here, they don't want to leave that country. Don't forget that. We, it's a spiritual battle for the Holy Land. It is a spiritual battle. Now, again, I want you to see the power of the Savior. In verse 13, it says, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And it's interesting. We're going to see this conversation in a minute. Why did Jesus send them into the swine? So Jesus commands them to leave and they go. Jesus controls their temporary destination. That's the swine. And then he controls their ultimate destination. He's going to send them in the pit. Why? Because hell was created for the devil and his angels. Interesting. Now, number three, I want you to see this. So we've seen the, 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 the terrible, the terrible result of a life left to its own devices. His name is Legion. But the, the amazing, the amazing thing that happens when Jesus Christ enters in, his name's Lord, that impossible situation. Number three, the amazing dullness of the general populace in the face of the unexplainable. These are the lost. They have no spiritual discernment. Look at verse 16. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine, 
So they're concerned with the guy that's been causing them trouble, but they're also concerned with the pigs. And look at what it says in verse 17. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. They're, they're begging Jesus to leave. Why? Why? Because he messed up the pigs. Now, here's a question. Why do a bunch of people, and I understand this is across, in, into the, is across the, the, the lake and the gatherings, there were Gentiles there, but it does appear that these were Jewish people raising pigs. Why'd they have pigs? Jesus Christ took care of that, didn't he? It's just amazing. He sent them into the pigs. Pigs run into the sea. Can you imagine what that looked like? Do you know what this is? This is when pigs fly. <laughs> and they, we found out they're not very aerodynamic. They run off that cliff and right into the water. And they went down with the devils. And what an amazing thing this is. But look at the amazing dullness of the populace. Here's this guy that's been tormenting the whole area. Jesus takes care of it. And what do they say? Please leave. Please leave. How many times have you seen this? You have a rebellious child. That child comes to church, gets saved. God does something amazing in their life. The family would rather have their child as a rebel than as a Christian. It happens over and over and over again. The dullness of the general populace in the face of the unexplained. I'm just telling you, when Jesus Christ gets a hold of your heart, He changes you. He changes you. And the world does not want you to change that way. It's fascinating. You see it over and over and over again. The fourth thing that I want you to see is this. The amazing change Christ makes in the life of the lost. This is love. Look at verse 15. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil that had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So again, here's what happens. When you got nakedness, and then Jesus comes in, and now you put clothes on. Now look, we're not legalists here. I'm not telling you what to wear. We don't beat on this dead horse over and over and over again. But I'm telling you, the worldly fashion that, expo that, that causes people to dress in a sensual way, that's not from God. I hope somebody's saying amen out there. That is not from God. He said, Am I making it up? He was naked with devils. Now he's got the devils out and he's got clothes on. All right. But not only that, he's sitting. He's sitting. He's at peace. I'm just telling you, even myself, when I'm not focused on the Lord, when I'm not walking in the spirit, my mind wanders. I'm not at peace. I want to move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And the idea of just sitting in peace and quiet it can become so difficult. That's why we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. But imagine folks who are lost, and they try and do meditation, they try and do yoga, they try and do all of these things. They take drugs, they drink alcohol, they do everything they can to dull the wandering that's going on in their mind and in, in their dead spirit. Folks, we need to know that when Jesus Christ comes in, when we are removed from the world and are placed in Christ, that now we can sit clothed, and in our right mind. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, we need a mind that's different than our worldly, fleshly mind. We need our mind to be changed by Jesus Christ and by the Word of God. 
and you know, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we do that by the washing of the water of the word. The word of God cleanses our thinking. But here's this man supernaturally sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Verse 15 again. And they came to see Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. Here's what Jesus does. Oh, look at verse 18. And when he was come into the ship, so Jesus is going back in the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He wanted to follow Christ. You know that when Jesus changes you, you want to follow Christ. And it's fantastic. But here's what Jesus does. Verse 18 again, And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He didn't allow him. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had great compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. So what does Jesus do? He changes us. What is there in your life that your friends can't explain other than the influence of the supernatural? Think about that. Has Jesus done anything for you? Has he saved you? Has he changed you? You say, yes, he has. Have you made it public? You know, uh, I, I had someone just uh, text me this past week that they want to get baptized and join the church. Have you made a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized? Have you followed the Lord in believer's baptism? I hope that you will. When we all gather back together, how cool would it be on that first Sunday to baptize somebody? Now, remember, your baptism doesn't save you. Your baptism is a testimony that says, man, I got saved. I got saved. How fun will it be to broadcast our baptisms all over the world? Man, that's a testimony. So has Jesus changed you? Have you made it public? No? Why haven't you? Are you ashamed? Why haven't you publicly declared what Jesus has done for you? Jesus said, go home and tell your friends. And then he controls us. He controls us. The, verse 19 says, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. Decapolis meant the ten cities area. So here he's going to these ten cities telling everybody what Jesus Christ had done. What an amazing thing. Can you imagine what it was like when Legion came home? Now, this is from Jerry Vine's commentary. I do remember that. Listen to what he wrote. Can you imagine what it was like when Legion got to his own, own hometown? Someone screamed, Legion is coming. The street's empty. Doors are bolted. Then, then a little boy's voice said, Mama, it's Daddy, and he's got clothes on. His hair is combed. The boy walks cautiously toward him. The villagers began to ease out of their houses. In a moment, the boy was in his father's arms. He said, Daddy, you're different. The villagers say, What happened to you, Legion? He gives his testimony. This is what the Lord has done for me. Now, I know that's fictional. We don't know whether he had a child or not, but he could have. I do know this. When Legion walked into that town, can you imagine what the people were doing? And when they came out and they saw him different, and they said, What happened? Jesus. Jesus. Now, you might not be possessed with 5,000 unclean spirits. But you might be walking according to the spirit of this world. You need to be changed by Jesus Christ. His blood will cleanse you. He will make you new. That's what Jesus wants to do. And for those of us who have been saved for a long time, has the gravity of the world started pulling us back 
into that worldly system. This shutdown time, and it's giving us a lot of time to think. We really need to think about how we have been interacting with the world as we prepare to go back out in it. As we go back out in it, I hope that people will say, you know what, you're different. You're different than the last time I saw you. You know, you Honda workers that are home, praise God that you know, you're able to get the unemployment and all of those things. You'll be going back to work soon. When you go back, how cool would it be for people to say, you've changed. You've changed. Hey, let's allow the Holy Spirit of God to change us. Let's become people like Christ. And as we head back out into that world, let's tell people that Jesus Christ can set them free. I want you to think of one last passage. Look with me at 2 Timothy and we'll be done. 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You see, these are the people that we're talking to. Jesus can set them free. You and I can't set them free. Jesus Christ can set them free. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let's go out into the world different. Let's, let's be different based on what God has done in us. Amen? I hope, that you'll, I hope that you'll ask Jesus Christ to change you, make you new. If you're not saved, let today be the day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if anyone has not trusted in you who's watching this, that today is the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that they're not trusting their baptism. Lord, I pray that they're not trusting their good works because we don't have any. Lord, I pray that they're not trusting in a church. Lord, they just need to believe in your death, burial, and resurrection. But just believing in the death, burial, and resurrection is not enough. Lord, we need to come to you and ask you to make that sacrifice, to make that payment apply to our account. And so, Lord, I pray if there's someone watching who has not asked you to wash their sins away, to be their Savior. Lord, I pray that that happens today. Then the rest of us, Lord, I know that all of us feel the gravity of the world. Help us to understand the free, the liberating power of your Holy Spirit that lives in us and help us to be different. Lord, help us to be Christ-like. Help us to be like you as we enter out into the world and let the world say, what happened to you? You're different. Lord, help us to be those people. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, it's been great being with you. Don't forget to give. Got to keep things going. Don't forget to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Some specific prayer requests we just had this week. Becky Wolf, there's a chance, an 80% chance that she has cancer. Let's really take her to the Lord. Send her notes. Let her know that you care. And then um, the Folsoms, pray for them as they're getting ready to move back here. And then also be praying for May 17th, May 17th. And we're looking forward to a a new grand opening. It's interesting. I think the 19th was our grand opening last year. We get to do a re-grand opening. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see you all. Thank you.